Hi, this is Corey Turner. And along with my wife, Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. Thank you so much. Uh, We're missing you desperately. And uh, really, uh, this season has gone on much longer than what any of us expected, uh, but we're here. And uh, God has put a word in season on my heart for you today. Um, I was praying fervently this week that the Holy Spirit would give me a word in season. You don't need to hear just a nice, cute little sermon. You need to hear a word from heaven. And I believe that God has given me one for you. And I am so excited about delivering that to you. But also, I'm expectant that over the next couple of weeks, we'll be meeting back together again. So look out for all of the updates and uh, stay connected to your email and to the uh, social media. And uh, let's um, really believe that we're going to be gathering together very soon. I want to pray for you. Father, I thank you so much for your goodness and your grace. I thank you, Father that you go before us. None of this that we are going through in this season in our personal lives and on a larger scale has caught you by surprise. You love us and uh, if you be for us, who dare be against us? And right now in this moment, I'm praying, Holy Spirit, that you would come and you would apply this word to our hearts. God, you're going to speak to people today. People are going to be set free. People are going to be encouraged. Burdens are going to be lifted. Breakthrough is going to come. And Jesus is going to be glorified. And so, Father, as I preach your word right now, I pray, Holy Spirit, would you heal sick bodies, renew minds, O God, restore broken hearts. And may the glory and honour and name of Jesus be lifted up where it always is, but where it always should be in our own personal lives. We thank you for the power of your word. It's living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow, able to discern the thoughts and intentions of our hearts. So God, come now, perform surgery on our hearts, speak to us. We invite you, we welcome you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. I want to invite you to go with me to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 1, I'm going to read a few verses of Scripture, so you need to uh, really listen in and stick with me closely. Uh, We're going to read from verse 1 through to verse 20. It's the story of the birth of Samuel, and it's one of my favorite passages in the Bible. And the Bible says in verse 1, there was a certain man of Ramatham, Zophim, of the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroham, son of Elihu, son of Tofu, not really, son of Tohu, son of Zuf, an Ephrathite. He had two wives. So Elkanah had his hands full. And the name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other, Peninnah. And Peninnah had children, but Hannah had no children. Now, this man used to go up year by year from his city to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh, where the two sons of Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas were priests of the Lord. On the day when Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Peninnah, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters, but to Hannah he gave a double portion, because he loved her, though the Lord had closed her womb. Note that in our reading. 
And her rival used to provoke her grievously to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. Whenever the Bible repeats something twice, it means, listen up, it's an important part of the story. So it went on, verse 7, year by year, as often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore, Hannah wept and would not eat. And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep and why do you not eat? And why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? After they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She was deeply distressed and she prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, no razor shall touch his head. So this child was to be a Nazarite set apart for God. As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli, the priest, observed her mouth, Hannah, was speaking in her heart, only her lips moved and her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli took her to be a drunken woman. And Eli said to her, how long will you go on being drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered, no, my Lord, I am a woman troubled in spirit. I've drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I've been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, For all along I've been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. Then Eli answered, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. She said, Let your servant find favor in your eyes. Then the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. They rose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord. Then they went back to their house at Ramah, and Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, And the Lord remembered her. And in due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son. And she called his name Samuel, for she said, I have asked for him from the Lord. I want to speak to you today on the subject, when you need a yes and all you've got is a no. What do you do when you need a yes and all you've got is a no? Nearly 20 years ago, I prayed for a couple who desperately wanted children. And they came to me on a prayer line at the church I was ministering at, and uh, they shared their story. They'd been married for 10 years. They had attempted to have children, and up to four times they'd had miscarriages, and they tried IVF, they tried all sorts of things to uh, get the scientific medical help necessary to help them have children and they weren't able to uh, conceive and uh, give birth to a baby full term. And so obviously they're quite desperate, they're emotional, they're distraught and so we began to pray and as we began to pray God showed me a picture of me holding uh, their baby boy in my arms on the platform of that church and dedicating that baby to the Lord and the Lord spoke to me and said 12 months from today this picture will become a reality. I want you to prophesy that over them. And so I began to minister prophetically over this couple and obviously with great sensitivity and trying to make sure I exercise wisdom in that, I wanted to share what God's heart was for them. Well, obviously they were encouraged and and three months later, they knocked on my office door to tell me that 
they were pregnant and they wanted me to stand with them in faith and believe for a full-term pregnancy. And the word of the Lord came to pass. Twelve months later, we stood on a platform with their family there and we testified to the goodness of God as we dedicated their baby boy to the Lord. And that miracle in my ministry set off a catalyst of miracles where now at last count, 35 couples around the world, as I prayed for them and prophesied the word of the Lord, God has blessed them with a beautiful child. Now, every one of us at some point in our faith journey will face a no when we need a yes. And I'm believing that if God's given me this word for you today and for us today as a church, that someone watching this message right now needs to hear this word. That no that you're facing might range from a simple, uh, you know, rejection at a job interview, no, you didn't get the job, all the way through to something more serious, maybe when it comes to an illness, no, the treatment didn't work, we need to try something else. What do you do when you need a yes, but all you've got is a no? Short answer, go to the Word of God. Because in the Word of God, we find people throughout human history that faced all sorts of no's. And in Hannah's life, we see lessons and insights that God can give to us to help us to be able to respond in an appropriate way to the no's in our lives. And one of the first things that comes immediately to mind in this passage is sometimes a no happens to people who deserve a yes. You see, in this passage in verse 3, Hannah's husband, Elkanah, the Bible says, Now this man used to go up year by year from his city to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh. In other words, Elkanah was a good man. He lived a life of worship and sacrifice. He would honour his wife who he loved, Hannah. He would give a double portion of the sacrifice, of the offering, should I say, to Hannah. He was a good man. He was a righteous man who loved God and his family and his life was an example to others around him. But even though this man was righteous, he was a good man who worshipped God, there was something in his life that was challenging. His wife, Hannah, was barren. And you need to understand, in the ancient Near East, barrenness was a tragedy. It was seen as a curse because the original mandate that God gave us in Genesis 1 was to be fruitful and multiply. And so when God made a covenant with Abraham and promised offspring as much as the stars of the sky, Israel and God's people were to be fruitful and multiply. So if one of God's people was barren, it was seen to be a curse. You know, sometimes we think, If I worship God and serve Him, God is obligated to perform on my behalf. I mean, God, I've had devotions twice this week. I've tithed. I'm even watching church online. Surely you can cut me a break and surely you can just sort of, you know, perform on my behalf because I've done all of these things for you. And we can sort of get into a a law or works mentality that says, because we've done things for God, therefore God should be doing things for us. And we totally forget that this whole thing is by a covenant of God's grace. 
One of the age-old questions that disillusion many believers, and maybe even for you today, is why do bad things happen to good people? And if you've ever asked that question, you're not the first person. In fact, the psalmist Asaph asked the question in Psalm 73 when he said, Why do the wicked prosper and why do the righteous suffer? In Psalm 73, 16, as he was pondering this question, he says this, It seemed to me a wearisome task until I went into the sanctuary of God's presence. And there I discerned their end. You need to know today there are some things that won't make sense outside of God's presence. But when you get into God's presence, in the sanctuary of God's Word and God's presence, things that don't make sense, the mystery of why is it that wicked prosper and why is it that righteous suffer, all of a sudden in that moment, everything is put into right perspective. You need to understand part of the answer to that question is we live in a fallen world and it rains on the just and on the unjust and there is a mystery to why certain things happen to certain people but when you get into the presence of God all of a sudden in that moment God gives you a heavenly perspective we've got to get an eternal perspective on our temporary reality and we've got to see that God is trying to weave something of his sovereign purpose into our lives just like he was Hannah's life that is beyond the immediacy of the circumstance that we find ourselves in. The other thing that we discover in Hannah's story is not every no in your life is from the devil, nor a permanently closed door. I find it fascinating, and I drew your attention to it as we read the text, that in verse 5, it says, the Lord had closed her womb. Does that mean in every case where someone is trying to have kids and can't have kids, that God is the author behind it every time? No, we know that the enemy is the source of all things dark, evil, sin, and sickness. And yet, there is something going on here that is beyond the immediacy of the challenge that Hannah is facing. We are often so quick to draw premature conclusions on our contradictions. And we end up blaming the devil for this and blaming God for that and blaming the pastor for this and blaming this person for that. And I just want to say to you, when it comes to God's character, never draw a conclusion about God's character based upon a contradiction. It's a very dangerous place to be when you start drawing theological conclusions based upon paradoxes and, 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 and sort of contradictions or no's in your life. Again, you've got to run back to the Word of God to find out who God is, what God has done throughout history, because you discover there are three responses to every journey of faith. The first response is a yes, a green light. The second response is a no, a red light. The third response is a wait, an orange light. Yes is an expression of agreement or consent. No is an expression of denial or refusal. Wait is a call to delay until a particular time. Think about the different people, great heroes of faith, in history, 
Joseph could have interpreted the prison as a no to the dream that God gave him on his life. But Joseph was simply in a holding pattern because God had destined him to move from the prison to the palace. You may feel like you're in a prison of all sorts of circumstances right now, but when God's given you a dream and there's an intention, He wants to move you from the prison to the palace. The disciples could have interpreted the cross on Golgotha and Calvary as a no, but it was simply an orange light. Wait for three days, Peter, James and John. Don't just sell out. Go fishing and forget the great commission and the call that you're about to receive upon your life. It is simply a holding pattern. Not every no in your life is from the devil, nor is every no a permanently closed door. In Genesis chapter 1, after God created the earth and the animals, there is this phrase that repeats itself throughout that passage. And that phrase is, and God saw that it was good. And God saw that it was good. In fact, after he created Adam and Eve, he just upped it a little bit more. And he said, and God saw that it was very good. So here is the lesson. If it's not good yet, God's not done yet. If God has authored a no, it's because he's got a better yes in mind for you that you can't see right now. City of Melbourne and state of Victoria. Never put a full stop where God has only put a comma. God is in mid-sentence with you today. He is still in conversation with you today. He's still got something to complete in your life. So why have you put a full stop and concluded life is not worth living? It's too hard. It's too difficult. You've got to cut, take to mind 2 Corinthians 2.9, what no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor heart imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. The Holy Spirit reveals to us you got to get the eyes of the Spirit. We walk by faith and not by sight. You've got to get perspective on the no that you're facing right now in your life. The other thing that I see in this passage is that our adversary, the enemy, the devil, likes to use contradictions to irritate us. And all of us have been irritated over these last 15 months. In fact, in verse 6 in this passage... It says of Hannah's rival, the second wife of Elkanah, and her rival Peninnah used to provoke her grievously to irritate her. Note that word irritate. It's an important word in the passage because the Lord had closed her womb. So it went on year by year. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore, Hannah wept and wouldn't eat. So now, all of a sudden in this moment, Hannah's emotional, mental well-being is starting to be affected. It's becoming unstable. She's now developing an eating disorder. She's lost her appetite. There is an anxiety. There's a worry. There is a grief there. Elkanah, the husband, married Peninnah, his second wife, because Hannah was barren. And that barrenness obviously was a curse. He wanted to perpetuate the family line. He was a man of prosperity. And there was an expectation 
also there was a mandate, be fruitful and multiply. And so this barrenness would have been a humiliation to Hannah. And on top of that, now you've got the second wife popping out babies quicker than you can, you know, uh, have a ha- party popper. And, and Peninnah has caused now so much grief and irritation to Hannah that now her mental and emotional stability is being affected and now she doesn't want to eat. So now we're starting to see it could be, we don't see it fully in the text, but it could be she's starting to get some mild depression, maybe even greater. Some things are starting to shift in her world. It's interesting that the scholars find the name of Penina to most probably mean pearl. It's interesting when you start to think about how does a natural pearl develop? It develops when an irritant works its way into an oyster or a clam or a mussel and a defense mechanism kicks in so that the mollusk that's in that clam or oyster or mussel secretes a fluid to coat the irritant and layer upon layer of coating is deposited on the irritant until a pearl is formed. Some pearls can actually develop in six months Other pearls that are bigger can take up to four years. In other words, the bigger the pearl, the longer the irritant. I'm here to tell somebody today that the last 15 months in Melbourne may have been an irritant. It may have been filled with restriction. Compared to other states, the average lockdown has been six days in other states. And yet for us, we've passed 150 days. We received a prophecy before we went into lockdown lockdown, that this place being Numa Church, that once gave birth to a revival, to a continent of a move of God, will once again give birth to a revival, to a generation. Now, either what God has spoken over this city of Melbourne and over the state of Victoria and the nation of Australia is a lie of man or it's a truth not yet fulfilled. The bigger the breakthrough, the longer the irritation. God is moving you from restriction to revival. He's moving Numa Church and the body of Christ from restriction to revival. And just as God used the irritation of Penina to drive Hannah to greater dependence on God. God is using the irritants in your life to produce a pearl of costly blessing and favour over every single area of your life. Don't you dare believe the lie of the enemy. The devil is a liar. God is on the job. He neither slumbers nor sleeps. He's up to something and he would not allow an irritant to come into your world if he didn't have a purpose for the penanar that's irritating you in your life. So when you need a yes and all you've got is a no, you've got to pour out your heart to God in prayer. This is what Hannah did in verse 10. Hannah was deeply distressed. She was praying to the Lord and she was weeping bitterly. She was pouring out her heart to God. I want to ask you, is prayer your first response or your last resort? Are you running to the phone to complain or are you running to the throne to worship? It all comes back to how you see the irritant that's coming your way. Proverbs 8. 
18.10 says this, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runs into it and is safe. What if every circumstance was about discovering who God wanted to be for us? If you're facing lack right now in your life, what if it, that lack was about discovering that God is your Jehovah Jireh, your provider? If you're lonely right now, what if that season of loneliness and isolation is about discovering that God wants to be your friend? What if you feel condemned under the weight of sin right now and God wanted to show you actually through maybe your own foolish choices as well as the, the uh, uh, sort of temptation of the world around you. What if God wanted to show you in the midst of that, not that God sent that, but in the midst of that, that he wanted to be your saviour that shows you through a covenant of grace how you can be restored and reconciled into right relationship with him. Every contradiction and paradox in our lives is another opportunity to draw closer to God and watch Him work on your behalf. The Bible says in Romans 8.28, we know that for those who love God, all things, somebody say all things, not some things, the text didn't say just a few things, the Bible says all things, including the irritations of life, work together for good for those who love God and are called according to His purpose. You, are, you not only love God, but God loves you and He's called you according to His purpose. And the Holy Spirit, the wonderful counsellor, the empowerer and the helper is wanting to train us to approach every no and every weight, every red uh, light and every orange light from a place of confident expectancy in God's goodness. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our life. And so when you need a yes and all you've got is a no, you've got to persevere with your petition. And that's exactly what happened to Hannah. She goes into the house of the Lord and she was misunderstood by Eli the high priest and she was also misunderstood by Elkanah her husband who couldn't understand why he wasn't worth 10 sons and they didn't understand what was going on in Hannah's heart, the desire that God had put in her heart to be a mother and have a child. Don't expect everyone to understand your desperation for God. Don't expect everyone to agree with your desperate plea and cry for God to intervene in your life. If you need everyone to vote in the affirmative for you to begin to seek God, you're going to be waiting a long time. You're going to get desperate. You're going to begin to pursue God regardless of whether everyone agrees with it. But when she comes into the house of God and she's petitioning God, Eli answers her this, go in peace and may God grant your petition that you have made to him. You need to understand today that God desires us to obtain His promises. Hebrews 11.33 tells us it's by faith the great cloud of witnesses obtained the promises of God. And one of the greatest evidences of our faith is our perseverance and our endurance towards the promises of God. God promised Abraham a child, but after 25 years... The improbable now has become impossible and now God says that's exactly where I work. And in Hebrews 6.15, the Bible says, having patiently 
endured. Abraham attained the promise. And then Hebrews 6.12 exhorts you and I, let us then be imitators of them. Who's them? Abraham, the great cloud of witnesses, the heroes of the faith that's about to be talked about in Hebrews 11. Let us be imitators of them who through faith and patience, everybody say patience, who through faith and patience inherit the promises of God. One of the greatest demonstrators of your faith is your patience in the midst of waiting in between seasons. You see, God's not only concerned that you pray to change things, He's concerned that your prayers should change you. He's interested in who you're becoming. He's interested in where your dependence is. Who are you looking to for salvation at this time in your life. When you need a yes and all you've got is a no, you've got to follow the example of Hannah. You've got to worship while you wait for God to turn your no into a yes. The Bible says after Hannah had left the house of the Lord that she rose up early in the morning and worshipped the Lord and the Lord remembered her. That's got to be one of the greatest phrases, one of the greatest declarations of truth in the entire Bible. And the Lord remembered her. What do you do when you need a yes and all you've got is a no? You worship while you wait. We've been singing it this morning. The battle belongs to you, oh God. We're going to lift our heads in the battle. We're going to lift our hands in the battle. We worship while we wait, in between the promise and the fulfillment, lift up a sacrifice of praise. Praise your way through the irritation. Praise your way through the delay. Psalm 23, 4, David said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. What's the best thing to do when you're walking through a valley of the shadow of death? Simple answer, keep on walking in Jesus' name. You keep on worshiping while you walk. You keep on praising. You keep on petitioning. You keep on persevering. You see, when that phrase in the passage is used, the Lord remembered me. If we're just thinking from a Western worldview or an English translation of that passage, we're thinking, what does that mean that God had actually forgotten Hannah? That's not what that phrase means. It means that God intervenes miraculously after a time of silence. You may feel like you're in a season where the voice of God is silent. But if you've ever sat through a test at school or sat through an exam, the examiner stays silent through the test until the time of the test is completed. And I'm here to tell somebody today, no matter how painful the test, the test will come to an end. This too shall pass. The test is preparing you for a blessing. God is on the job. He knows what he's doing. He is sovereign over 
over the affairs of mankind and he is working behind the scenes. That's why you've got to walk by faith and not by sight through the in-between seasons, through the valley seasons. You've got to keep your eyes on the Lord because you can't see in the natural, but God sees something you can't see. And this test will come to an end because every desire from heaven has a due time on earth. This is what we see in verse 20. I love these words, and in due time. Hannah conceived and she bore a son and she called his name Samuel, which means heard of God or name of God. Listen, if God has put the desire in your heart, just like he put into Hannah's heart, he has a due time to bring it to pass. Galatians 6, 9 says, don't grow weary in doing good, for in due season you'll reap if you don't give up. Another translation says, you'll reap if you don't lose heart. Now you may ask today, well, pastor, when is due season? Can't you prophesy a word? I mean, you get prophecies and words of knowledge. Can't you prophesy a word about when due time and due season is for my life? Well, here's the word of the Lord for you. Due season is when your season is due. That, that, that is the word of the Lord for somebody today. You know, sometimes God just doesn't reveal all the plans and the purposes and the timeline because God's sovereignty trumps your timeline. And often when you think it's the 11th hour and it should be happening by now, God's got like a 12th, 13th, 14th, 15th hour and He just keeps on going through until His sovereign purposes for your life is established. And so Ecclesiastes 3.1 says, There is a time and there is a season for every matter under heaven. And verse 11 says, God makes everything beautiful in its time. One of the kingdom principles that I live my life by is the principle of of on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. In other words, Jesus said, pray like this, Matthew 6.10. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth in my life, your life. In the city of Melbourne, across the nation of Australia, the nations of the earth, as it is in heaven. So if heaven's sanctioned it, you got to persevere if you're going to see it, because every desire from heaven has a due time. I'm preaching myself happy, just as I declare this over myself and over you today. Every desire from heaven that God has put into your heart, has a due time. What does Psalm say? Delight yourself in the Lord. And as you delight in Him, His desires are given to you and begin to bubble up inside of you. And as you delight in Him, He'll give you those desires from heaven that are placed into your heart. You may feel like Hannah and you're in a season of silence. You're in a season where the penanas, the irritants are coming your way. But you've got to understand the purpose of delay. This whole story is about the purpose of delay in the midst of the sovereignty of God's purposes. You see, God delays our desires to develop dependence on His character and to demonstrate His sovereign purposes through our lives. 
That's what this whole passage is all about. That God does not delay simply to mess with us, to hurt us, to irritate us. God delays our desires to develop dependence on His character and to demonstrate His sovereign purposes through our lives. If God hadn't delayed, please listen to this. Don't check out and turn off online church. You need this word right now. If God hadn't delayed Hannah's desire for a son, she never would have devoted Samuel to the Lord. Hannah's breakthrough son became a prophet to the nation of Israel. And God used Samuel to establish the monarchy and prepare David to sit on the royal throne. And in the preparation of David, God declared to his prophets that there was coming a day when the perfect king of kings and lord of lords would sit on David's throne forever. And we now have King Jesus as our living Lord and Saviour, who for all eternity will reign over the heavens and the earth. Every victory and triumph is is now his and is ours because we're seated with him in heavenly places and Hannah's contention for that breakthrough son was in the sovereign purposes of God. You see, you've got to understand the breakthrough you're believing for isn't just for you, it's for the generations to come. God is not just concerned about your bank balance and your desire in the immediate future. He's concerned about saving all of humanity. He is a sovereign plan to bring restoration to the ends of the earth. And just as God providentially guided Hannah's life to fulfill his sovereign purposes for Israel, so too today God will graciously guide you to fulfill his sovereign purposes in the earth. The story of the Bible is so fascinating because it's the story of God using ordinary people to accomplish his extraordinary purposes for saving humanity. God's sovereignty will always trump our timeline. Delay isn't denial. It is for the purpose of developing our character and our dependence upon God as well as God demonstrating His sovereign power through our lives in the mundane, irritating moments of our lives. God is there in the midst of it, and He's doing something that we cannot see. I want to pray for you today and pray that your spirit would be encouraged with this word and that whatever no you're facing in your life, maybe that no is a permanent no, and you need to actually release that and surrender that to God. Maybe that no isn't a permanent no and you still need to release it and surrender it to God. And say, God, I'm going to persevere in my petition. I'm going to worship while I wait. I'm going to contend for this in faith. But I believe that I'm coming into a due time. I want to pray for you in regards to that today. Father, I thank you so much for the example of Hannah. I thank you, Lord, what a mighty woman of God. That when... Peninnah irritated her when her mind and her heart were overwhelmed with grief and anxiety. God, when her own husband, Lord, was trying to convince her to just step back and retreat and and be passive and just get on with life as it is. Something within her, the Spirit of God, put a desire in her heart and she came into the house of the Lord 
And she said, God, I contend and I believe that you will bring this breakthrough into my life. And Father, you granted, you remembered, you intervened miraculously after that time of silence. Father, today we bring to you every no. God, I pray you give us discernment and wisdom to know the difference between the, the wait and the no. God, help us not to draw wrong conclusions about who you are and what you want to do. Oh God, in the midst of the paradoxes and the contradictions that we face. But Father, today I pray, would you come and take this word? Would you apply this word? Lord, would you fill every heart with hope and courage and faith and life? Oh God, we just declare today, yeses. Every promise of God is yes and amen to the glory of God the Father. I just declare yes, 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 oh God. Over the city of Melbourne, over the state of Victoria, I declare yes. Over my brothers and sisters in Christ today, I declare yes, oh God. Over things where people have been waiting and for breakthrough, I declare yes today, oh God. Oh God, even right now as someone is weeping and crying, oh God, tears of hope and joy and breakthrough. Father, I pray right now, oh God, that we would worship while we wait, that we would persevere with our petition. That if we're walking through a valley, we'll keep on walking. And that God will hold on to you because in due time, Hannah conceived and she bore a child. I pray for your blessing and your grace and your anointing to break out in every living room, to break out in every person's heart for the Spirit of God to come and apply this Word. Lift our heads, lift our spirits so that we would worship while we wait. Come on, wherever you are, we're going to do that right now. We're going to worship while we wait. Why don't you stay tuned? Let's keep worshiping. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died, and rose again, conquering sin, Satan, and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead, and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.